0: Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dories. Marriage, like many things, is open to growth and change. And actually, that's truly a good thing, especially if you're a woman. I still break into a cold sweat when I think about the first episode of Mad Men and how Don Draper was informed about his wife's first session by her psychiatrist. Thank heavens that women are no longer considered their husband's property. But is it wise to throw everything out with the bathwater? Are there any givens when it comes to marriage? And specifically, I want to address the role of monogamy in marriage. Is it important or is it just another aspect of marriage that has served its time? So, to help answer these questions, I'm joined by Dr. Alan Hawkins. He's the director of the School of Family Life at Brigham Young University. So, Dr. Hawkins, Alan, thanks for coming on the show and talking about, I mean, on some level, this has really become a a timely topic. I don't, I'm not sure that, I mean, people have always had affairs. I mean, there's no, I mean, that's that's been in existence forever. And back in the day when marriage was um, done for property reasons, for joining kingdoms, for all the, you know, old fashioned or the original things of marriage, monogamy, at least on the men's part, didn't necessarily exist. But now we're kind of into this new way of thinking So, I know you've done a lot of research into what's called consensual non-monogamy. Yeah. But before we get to that, can we talk about how and why monogamy and marriage have been linked? Well,
1: um, you know, you you mentioned some of the historical uh, issues around marriage. I think we have to be careful. Uh, The history of marriage that uh, tends to survive and get paid attention to um, is from the elites. And uh, marriage existed uh, well below that in the 90% of those who, um, you know, who were the peasants, if you will. Mm -hmm. And... um, um, and monogamy served um, has I think served a number of purposes um, over the years. I think you well identify that the institution of marriage historically has had a number of warts um, about it. But you know, from an evolutionary psychology uh, perspective, um, the uh, you focus on uh, monogamy as a way to uh, establish paternity. Uh, and trust that those children uh, were actually yours. And from a woman's perspective, uh, monogamy served to corral parental resources on behalf uh, of the children. Um, also, the evolutionary psychologists talk about just the pair bonding thing. Um, pair bonding is very common uh, throughout uh, the animal kingdom. Um, there are, There's not a whole lot of species that practice monogamy, but there are some um uh, have long-term monogamy and um pair bonding uh um, evolutionarily speaking seems to serve some very important purpose so there are the, the biological um uh reasons for why uh, monogamy uh came to be um and uh but there are also, you know, just some basic kind of social theory ideas. It defines useful boundaries. Um, people wanted to know uh, when you were on and off the market. And <laughs> um, and there are some important reasons for that. But I, I think uh, even in thinking in a little bit more contemporary uh, mode, um, uh, many people believe that monogamy has served to uh, create Uh, More incentive, if you will, for an equality of the sexes. Um, You say we know the warts that have existed in the institution of marriage, and um, equal partnership has not been particularly common. But that monogamy served to um, constrain, if you will, some of the more natural urges that um, men have, and. Uh, as well as um, societal winking uh, at men's uh, fidelity. And uh, so from you know just kind of a social perspective, I think uh, monogamy has served some purposes. Um, most importantly, though, I think it, it's the relational perspective um, that we need to be aware of. Marriage has been a powerful signal that you are off the market. Uh, And I think consensual non-monogamy that we'll talk about here in a minute, you know, really kind of changes that signal. Um, You know, the, the, go ahead. So
0: can I ask sort of, and and I realize this is going to be kind of a strange question, but what is the benefit of announcing to the world, which is kind of what we do when we get married, that we're off the market? what, I mean, I understand from a you know paternity standpoint that okay, I know this child is mine, sort of, <laughs> because I mean we all as I always joke, right. we should always have a we should always have matriarchies because we always know who the mother is.
1: Right. <laughs> but, yeah.
0: Um, but what is what? Why? What is the benefit of taking ourselves off the market?
1: Well, uh, let me start with um, you know. Um, let's let's each of us, you and me, and and uh, all of our listeners, go back to uh, the times when we were dating. Mm-hmm. Um, is that where you want to be um, for the rest <laughs> of your life? That uncertainty and the and um, the angst and all of that. I mean, uh, that's one reason why people get married these days because the dating scene sucks. At you know, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. While. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, it's the exclusivity that promotes the bonding, the trust, mm-hmm. um, the sense of we are invested in each other. I can rely on this person even when I'm sick as a dog or I'm struggling through cancer or I'm going through depression. Um, and I realize I'm talking in the ideal here, but, um, but, you know, we're trying to get an understanding of what uh, marriage is as an institution. It also just reduces the drama, you know, um, and uh, it's an incredibly powerful uh, boundary that we set, I think, especially in our modern times when outside of the bonds of marriage, we're pretty free and open with our sexuality. Um right. And uh, so I think it's an incredibly important boundary that allows you to say, no, I'm investing in you. I'm going to be here for you. I'm not going to uh, divide my affections uh, with someone else. Yes, I look at others and I see, hmm, that's a very interesting person, but that's as far as it goes now. Um, I'm, I'm all in uh, with you.
0: Okay. So, which, which makes sense. You know, I'm always joking when my husband has to go on a business trip to say, hey, can you please tell the pilot to be careful? Cause I want you to come home alive. <laughs> I right. don't want to be single. I mean, and, and that was, that was especially true when my kids were small, but even now when they're out of the house, I still don't, I, I don't want to have to go through that.
1: So, yeah. And but, it's, uh, it, and, and we do, we bond powerfully. And I think it's probably worth mentioning. I think, uh, uh, many of us, many of your listeners will have a, have a strong spiritual perspective on marriage. The idea mm-hmm. that two are supposed to become one. And the idea of uh, sharing um, that sexual relationship with others, uh, it seems to me for uh, 99.9% of us okay. are, is, is going to make it really hard uh, to become that one that we, that we optimally hope we can achieve in marriage.
0: Okay. speaking so now we've talked about monogamy so can you define what is consensual non non monogamy and why is it getting so much attention these days
1: okay Um, first of all you know what is it I I, I, it's when two people give mutual consent to be involved emotionally and or uh, sexually uh, with other people Um, uh, now, that's either in a fixed system of relationships, and they usually call that polyamory, um, uh-huh. where you have boundaries, but it's boundaries around more than uh, two, it's, it's three or four, sometimes even a little bit more. Uh-huh. Probably more common, it's uh, just with independent uh, individuals. You give permission mutually to each other to explore emotional and sexual relationships, Uh, with um, others outside the primary pair bond Um, and this usually involves disclosure of other relationships uh, to the primary partner rather than secrecy although um, as far as I know that has not been looked at carefully by researchers and I think there's anecdotal evidence um, um, uh, from journalists who who look at this that Th- that it's not always open and I think
0: that's the part where it's consensual non-monogamy so affairs don't fall into this
1: that's right, right. by uh, yeah. by definition then if affair is is to be secretive and unshared then mm-hmm. there are no affairs um, by the for those who participate in consensual non-monogamy um, but uh, as has been documented uh, anecdotally and by journalists, um, though there are the, uh, it is not uh, cheating does not disappear. Um, in other words, there are secret relationships that do occur even uh, in these um, open uh, relationships.
0: Interesting
1: and And let me clarify one thing leslie i um uh, when i'm talking about consensual non monogamy i'm focused on those who are choosing to do this within the legal bonds of marriage um for outside the bonds of marriage um you know uh, we're uh, kind of live and let live society and uh-huh. uh, i'm not I'm not going to question. Well, you know, yeah, personally, I can have some questions, but I'm not <laughs> going to give much attention or focus to that. It, to me, it's how this uh, new um, or maybe not so new phenomenon uh, impacts the institution of marriage.
0: So you know, this is really interesting because it seems to me that this concept of open relationship, consensual non-monogamy, this seems, I mean, I realize it's probably always happened in, yes. on some level, but it seems to be to have much more of um, an openness. People are talking about it. There are articles in, you know, magazines, and you know, like you said, journalists are doing this. So why is why is it getting so much attention now?
1: Well, I mean, I think one reason is is that as a society, we are so open sexually um uh, uh, on another podcast maybe we can explore that one i <laughs> I, I i wonder uh, how much good it really does for us to yeah. be this hyper open uh, this hyper openness about our sexuality. Um, but that's a topic for another day. It's a sexy right. topic. It's one that captures eyeballs in a digital environment. Um, and, um, and I also think that for many people, they, they sort of think about this as the next sexual frontier, um, you know, in the sexual revolution. And, um, and we're always, Um, kind of interested in that next frontier. And, uh, you know, so I think those are primary reasons why we're a little more open about this. And, uh, and that journalists are paying more attention to it. I think the other reason is uh, is that it's gone beyond um, what um, unmarried people are doing in their private lives and behind closed doors. Um, I think there's attention to it now because it's being talked openly um, as um, a different way to do marriage. And that, that is new. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think we've had that before. And, uh, of course, we've gone through a long, per- uh, you know, recently gone through a, a significant period of kind of, um, you know, questioning whether, you know, certain parameters of marriage that have been there traditionally have, outused, uh, have outlived their usefulness. And uh, so probably um, this kind of fits in, in, uh, in that mindset, exploring the boundaries of marriage.
0: Well, which, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I just want to remind you that this is Happily Ever After. is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm having a timely conversation about consensual non-monogamy with the director of the School of Family Life at BYU, Dr. Alan Hawkins. And is this something you're interested in? Or maybe your partner has brought it up. Maybe you just expected monogamy in your marriage but never actually talked about it. Well, wherever you land, this is a serious topic that can be really hard to talk about. And if you'd like some help in this area, I invite you to get in touch with me. You can send me an email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N is in Nancy, C is in Charlie, dot com. Or you can give me a call at area code 919 919- Nine two four zero four six three. That's nine one nine nine two four zero four six three. And I want to get back to this conversation about consensual non-monogamy, which is a mouthful when you say it. Right. <laughs> so, um, Alan, who's driving this interest? Is it the journalists? Is it the younger generation? You know, who's driving it? And and I know you've done a lot of research around it. So, what have you found that's behind it?
1: Well, I, I want to say I've done a little bit of research on my own on this. I, I've read a lot of what others are doing uh, these days, mm-hmm. but we need more good research on that question. So I'm, I'm going to be speculating a little bit here. But you did mention the issue of generation, and that's one thing I've seen from my research, is that we do see that the um, uh, that millennials um, the younger generations are um, uh, are pretty distinct from the older uh, generations uh, in terms of their acceptance uh, of this idea um, uh, you see i mean not huge differences, but you do see um, um, you know, modest differences in uh, how younger people, at least right now, um, uh, think about um, uh, consensual non-monogamy and are more uh, are more accepting. When I say more accepting, uh, it's still the case that even among the younger generations, most of them say, "Are you kidding me?" Um, <laughs> but um, but it is also the case that more of their peers than in the past are saying that's interesting Um, and uh, think, uh, you know, that uh, maybe that's something that they would want to at least think about. Um, You know, my best guess is that, you know, this is being driven, um, you know, primarily by the reality that we live uh, in a society uh, that puts sexual freedom up there as one of our uh, preeminent values. And there's a kind of adventurism that's, I think, actually, you know, been fueled by the fact that, um, that uh, for the past few generations, we've been postponing um, uh, marriage uh, to our late 20s and even in the 30s for most people. And um, uh, we see it as a time of sexual exploration, some people are struggling to kind of flip the switch then. Uh, they do want to get married. Most people don't want to stay in the doldrums of mm-hmm. of dating forever and ever. But you can see how it can be a little bit difficult to flip the switch and say, okay, um, I got that out of my system now, and now I'm going to focus all those sexual energies on this one person who gets up in the morning and looks like... Um, <laughs> you know it doesn't look as like um, uh, she's uh, ready to um, for a photo shoot in in right. uh, some magazine um and uh, wants um what ma- makes demands of me that uh, I you know that I don't like anyway i i think that's part of it um
0: Um, well, you know, and part of this, and and I, I'm obviously not of the millennial generation and, uh, you know, and I know that for a lot of people who get married, they don't necessarily have the conversation about monogamy. And I've actually had, you know, I've actually had clients who have been in open relationships. Now, I don't know if it's just, because of who calls me, because people who are having great relationships generally don't call me. Right, sure. Um, but but one of the things that I've seen, and I, and, we, and you were talking about it a little bit at the beginning, is, you know, it, it's hard enough to have a mature, um, you know, emotionally intimate relationship with one person. Now we're talking about having it with more than one. And so I don't know, are we talking about just having sexual relations, a sexual relationship with somebody else other than our partner um, versus having an emotional relationship. And sometimes we, it starts out as just a sexual relationship and then it becomes emotional. And it's like, how do people you know, navigate this. And then the other thing, and I realize that's one question, and then the other question that I have is do people agree to this sometimes because they're afraid of losing the primary relationship if they don't?
1: You betcha. Um, at least uh, journalistically, um, uh, we've <laughs> seen that. Um, you know, the research usually doesn't talk to both partners. Uh usually just gets um, – responses from one. And so it's a little harder to see that. Um, But I mean, you touch on some really important things that I think um, people need to be aware of. um, And that is that, um, uh, you know, the word consensual, uh, I think is a pretty loaded word. And I worry about how mutual uh, consent really is. Uh, Uh Many married couples experience You know, different levels of sexual desire and adventurism. And when one spouse says, um, I need other partners, um, I still love you, but I need uh, something more. Um, And if you don't agree, uh, I'm out of here. Well, yeah. How consensual is that other spouse's consent? Uh-huh. Especially if you think about that other spouse as maybe being not quite as biologically gifted or as physically attracted, attractive, or maybe doesn't have the financial resources. Um, and uh you know how how mutual is that uh agreement now in the in the journalistic articles um they interview these couples, and they often say, "Well, at first, it was one person who wanted it more, and I wasn't real enthusiastic, but hey, I came around, and I'm all in now." um and yeah we see that i don't doubt that it happens what uh-huh, what uh-huh. the journalists aren't doing is interviewing um the couples where one of them uh doesn't um really uh want this um but doesn't feel like he or she uh has much choice uh in that matter and my research um with a large nationally representative sample of married individuals shows that Um, Well, first of all, it's a small proportion of married individuals who do Mm -hmm. report that they're involved in consensual non-monogamy, about 1% at any one time, uh, maybe about 4%, um, you know, at any point during their marriage. But uh, I asked them an interesting question, um, and that's, who wanted... um, the uh, open sexual relationship more, or whether they were both equally interested. I think we assume that because it's consensual non-monogamy, that it started off um, as equal from the beginning, Uh but um, only about half reported that there was equal interest in this. And it probably won't surprise you, Leslie, that... that uh, it was men who wanted it more than women in those instances when it wasn't equally uh, desired. And a third of heterosexual women uh, reported that their partners wanted an open relationship um, uh, more than they did. Um, Now, among uh, bisexual women, that figure is much higher, 75% said that their partners wanted it equally. By the way, that is Makes one sense. of the phenomenon uh, phenomena that seems to be driving consensual non-monogamy now is we are much more open and accepting of bisexuality. And mm-hmm. um, this uh, no, consensual non-monogamy is a way for um, uh, bisexuals um, to be able to explore and um, in, enjoy sexuality um, with, uh, both sexes.
0: Exactly. So, I mean, you know, and it's, and it's interesting, you know, and, and as we're talking about this, it brings to mind Esther Perel's work on mating and captivity of the yes. whole. You know how do how do you keep the mystery and eroticism alive in a you know with somebody that you're living with 24 seven who wakes up you know looking like yeah. <laughs> you know, not 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 ready for a photo shoot you know. Um, well, you know, I
1: have two 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 responses to that. One is, um, uh, can we get Hollywood out of our heads sometimes? Can can we live in the real world? You know, yeah, what's yeah. Wrong with- get
0: Hollywood out of our bedroom. <laughs> but okay.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I, I I use the term prosaic sex. What's wrong mm-hmm. with with that um, but, um, you know, what's wrong with um uh, sex as a way for us to regularly bond and enjoy each other in the common mm-hmm. everyday Uh, rhythms of life Um, it can be wonderful and beautiful and powerful even when we're not um, blowing the cap off the mountains and um, so uh, first of all, I want to uh, speak uh, strongly in favor of prosaic sex. Now, yes, um, you know, ad- adventure and excitement and um, and uh, those kinds of things are also things that many people want. And that does take some work. How do you also infuse into your everyday life and the more common, ordinary, everyday sex? Uh, how do you Uh, Create space for the more exotic. Um, And, yep, that takes a little bit of work. Uh, Well, welcome to marriage. That's, um, you know,
0: welcome to life, actually.
1: Welcome to life, right. Uh, Sometimes, yeah, you have to work and carve out uh, some of that space. Um, You know, and. uh,
0: And and uh, my answer to that, my secret to that is vacation sex. Go on a vacation. Absolutely. You and your partner do not bring the kids, they stay home. (laughs) <laughs> That's tough. right. And go and uh, you carve out those times.
1: Time. I, I have a former student of mine who, whose uh, therapy practice is primarily around couple sexual relationship. And one of the things that, um, that she sees quite regularly um, is couples for whom uh, sex has to be um, uh, wild and spontaneous, and what that means for married couples with children and living <laughs> everyday lives is an enormous amount of frustration mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. they have to they have to go on vacation to get their sex and 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 for some strange reason they're not particularly satisfied uh with that and uh, so let's make room for both kinds of sex in our lives.
0: one of the things I want to talk about, but we have to finish this, is what's the impact of CNM on marriage in general, and what should a couple be aware of if one, as you're saying, tends to be one, at least one in the beginning, but even if both are interested in this?
1: You know, in terms of uh, the impact of consensual non-monogamy, you know, the research um, uh, isn't there yet so we're, there's not a lot to learn from there, so it's we're kind of doing uh, a little bit of intellectual guessing uh right, right now um, and um uh, i I do have concerns about how it impacts um you know married couples um, but before I go there much further i I want to step back and say i don't accept um the notion that what happens. Um, behind our closed doors and in our private bedrooms has no impact on other uh, individuals. Um, I I don't limit my analysis of how it affects individuals, uh, or my analysis to how it affects individuals. Um, I worry about how the choices of individuals to spurn that norm of (coughs) monogamy Um, so that they can reshape marriage into something that fits their personal desires, can quietly change the meaning of marriage for all of us. Uh, If it becomes accepted under the guise of, you know, whatever two consenting adults wants to do is fine, and it doesn't affect anyone else, um, I think there's a real chance that it uh, seeps out of those private bedrooms, and that we all have to face... This issue of monogamy, and we all have to negotiate what our boundaries are going to be rather than assume the hard boundaries that marriage has meant uh, for for eons um, mm-hmm. and I think it becomes harder for all of us. Um, as I mentioned, not mo- not many people are actually practicing, not many married couples are actually involved in consensual non-monogamy. But as we publicize it, and as we come to accept the rationale that um, this is something that people can negotiate uh, as long as it's all honest and upfront um i do think however that it's going to start to get a little bit harder for us to expect and demand monogamy um uh in our own relationships because the notion is is that's what something that's something that you negotiate not something that is given so i i worry about that i mean uh-huh. it's still a very small proportion and so i'm not losing sleep at night uh, <laughs> over it but um i think it's there Um, and I think it's a little different now because the pundits and the scholars are calling for social acceptance of this uh, personal choice, and they're not differentiating whether that's a a non-marital or a marital choice. And so there's advocating for that change that's out there, and I think that could make it harder uh, to negotiate you know, for monogamy rather than um, that's the price you pay for entrance into this institution. Um, So I worry about that one. On a more personal level, um, I think there's some things you got to be aware of. The first thing you ought to do if this crosses your mind is go to a therapist and work out some of these issues with a therapist uh, and get the help. I I think it would be very hard for people to really... uh, uh, with clear eyes, um, um, see what uh, is involved uh, without getting some professional help. The relationship skills that are needed to make yeah. these these relationships work are beyond uh, what most of us mere mortals have. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. I could
0: not uh, agree more. Mm -hmm.
1: And so you better work on those relationship skills. Make sure that you can communicate really, really effectively. And then also upgrade your emotion regulation skills. And there's another place where you could probably use some professional help. Jealousy doesn't just go away uh, magically because you say, Mm -hmm. oh, okay, you can can go see her. Um, Right. It's still there and you have to be very good at emotion regulation. Um, So, you know, you've got to really upgrade your skills uh, if you're going to do this. Also realize that this is dynamic. It's going to change. It's almost by nature unstable. And if you're somebody who likes order and stability, um, and many of us are, you know, uh, you're going to want to think twice about um, entering into this kind of Uh, this uh, consensual non-monogamy. And then finally, don't forget the pragmatic challenges that are involved. How do you manage time between multiple uh, relationships and potentially multiple families? By the way, they never talk about children when they're talking. Literally, I've read um, hundreds and hundreds of pages, and I've counted about three times when the word child or children is mentioned. Um, and, you know, what about what about the financial resources? Um, you know, is this sex all free? Um, all this, financial resources stay here. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. you can go have sex with her, but uh, no money changes. Um, you can't help her out with this or that or go on an expensive date or whatever. Or um, we'll go away you know, on
0: vacation with them. Or go on vacation. Yes, that mm-hmm. takes
1: enormous skill to communicate about, to regulate about. Um, and those pragmatic challenges um, for most of us, mere mortals, are going to scuttle the whole thing. Um, I think. Well, and so, that's
0: and that's really what I've seen when it's come into my office because it is—it's about the managing of the emotional regulation, the jealousy, the time, all those things that you mentioned. The, the communication. I mean, right. it's like most of the, you know most of us aren't gifted. <laughs> In communication, nobody's had to take a relationship one-on-one class, which, by the way, is my personal thing that everybody should have to before they graduate from high school. But yeah. but again, you know, we're kind of we're kind of sort of um, shooting from the hip on this, flying, you know. And and I think that what some people, you know, this, this idea of consensual non-monogamy, this idea of oh, I can go get my. Um, sexual desires met someplace else, that, you know, it's partially is there an understanding of why that's desired? I mean, because a lot of times it's like, well, it's not working here in this relationship, so if Good. I can start this yeah. other relationship, it'll be better, Right. which I, I'm not sure is, is the healthiest way to go about it because you're still going to have an issue in your primary relationship. So, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a complicated issue, and I'm really glad we had an opportunity to delve into it, even though there's still so much more to talk about, um, about this area that, you know, it sounds, it sounds sexy, it sounds, you know, it's like, oh, so I see this hot guy across the room, I can, you know, I can yeah. not just fantasize in my mind, I can actually do something about it, but there, but there are consequences of that decision
1: and and uh, the ability to make it work long term is very difficult um for sure um now you know um uh i i don't doubt that there are people um who are well matched and have incredible skills um uh who make this work um but um i i think uh my best guess is that when this comes up it's usually one person who's raising it who's a little bit bored uh mm-hmm. and uh and another person who's um uh, you know who's not as eager as maybe the journalistic uh coverage would say and mm-hmm. uh, so we should be very careful about this whole um uh, this whole sense of power in relationships as well yeah. Um, power uh, power in relationships. Uh, is is never, um, I, I guess the word I'm well the word I'm looking for is, is that it's it it can be dangerous, and it's yeah. certainly the case that it could be dangerous uh, in this kind of a situation where one uses power to um, get another person to agree uh, to to uh, to open up the relationship.
0: Right, yeah, and, and, in, and in my viewpoint, that's, that's not that's not so much an agreement as potential manipulation and coercion. But of course, if somebody says it's fine, then the other person isn't going to know about that. But um, Alan, thank you so much for being on the show and talking about this, and can you tell people where they might be able to learn more about it? Well,
1: you know, that's actually an interesting question. Um, uh, you know, there have been some books written about this, but they're almost always um, uh, kind of on that isn't this uh, cool and sexy uh, kind of perspective. <laughs> and so I would be very careful about uh, reading some of the books that uh, are out there um, on this. Um, there are websites that are out there to help people uh, you know to introduce people to consensual non monogamy and to polyamory, uh-huh. but again uh, they don 't give um, they 're not uh, nearly as um, skeptical um, as uh, as I have been um, uh-huh. so my best advice really is going to go back if uh, if this comes up in your uh, marriage, um, I would say um, go. See a therapist, even therapists who um, are more positive uh, than I would mm-hmm. be uh, about this are going to uh, take a, um, are, are going to be helpful in l- helping them understand what they are getting into Um you know, and uh, and so uh, uh, because I don't think there are a lot of good self-help things that are out there right now yeah. to, to see this realistically, um, this is one area where, yeah, you want to go through Marriage 101 with some professional help as you work through a decision like this.
0: Okay. So, Alan, can you also share your website and and where people can read your article? Ah.
1: Oh. You know, I don't have a website um, exclusively devoted to this. Um, mm-hmm. Back in December of, uh, wow, it's been two years, December 2017, I did a lengthy article for National Review Online. So if you just um, Google uh, the new math of consensual non-monogamy, it will take you there and it will explain the concerns and uh, that I have uh, about this, both at a personal level and at a societal level. Um, so th- that's about the best resource uh, that I could uh, send you to. I, uh, I say I need to be doing more um, mm-hmm. on this, and uh, I'm going to keep at it, but um, I, I don't have a whole lot to offer at this time.
0: Well, I appreciate you coming on the show and talking about it. And what I want listeners to know is, like personally, I'm a believer for the most part that whatever any couple decides regarding their relationship is fine as long as both people are on board and you're considering if you happen to have children, it's impact on your children. And when it comes to monogamy, that may be the $64 million question. Right. It shouldn't necessarily be a societal question of right and wrong, but it does have to be one for you and your partner. And if either of you driven by fear, meaning if you're agreeing to something that you don't agree to, stop and pause. Because this is definitely an area where clarity, good communication, fantastic relationship skills matter. And so hopefully you'll keep listening to the show to find out more about relationship skills and hot marriage topics. And so until next week, stay loving.